podcast. I'm here with Sharon, and we're going to start off with a meditation. Today's topic is going to be integration. So I'd like you to just take a moment to close your eyes and to feel your feet on the ground, letting your body relax, and taking one nice, deep, nourishing breath and letting it come out slowly and just letting yourself feel what that breath is doing inside and you might take another breath in holding it for a beat and slowly letting it go And just paying attention to whatever's bubbling up inside and noticing there may be thoughts, there may be feelings, there may be a story of a variety of things happening. Just watching that activity from the perspective of a bird flying high in the sky and and just flowing by all that is around it, the clouds, the landscape, and trying not to be attached to any particular thought or feeling or sensation, but just noticing it, noticing these as sensations. coming back to your breath as an anchor whenever you feel like you're getting pulled and what you're trying to do is to observe your experience and then when the experience becomes too chaotic or you find yourself in the hamster wheel of thought and feeling coming back to your breath as a home base as a secure place to land just allowing yourself to look freely to feel freely. And you can you can allow this practice to continue as long as you'd like uh, for five, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Or you can pause here as we make a transition towards ending the meditation. But before we do that, I'd like you to appreciate the practice of switching between anchoring and breath and observing your experience and the way that you are using your consciousness to process and to move through your experience. And now 
feeling perhaps your hands on the furniture you're sitting on, feeling your lap, slowly opening your eyes and looking around the room. I'm going to reconnect with Sharon. Sharon, how are you doing right now? How are you feeling? Oh, I'm very grateful. I felt wonderful. Yes. Good, uh, good. Something really struck me when you said going back to the breath, to your home, landing in your home. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I think that's a beautiful uh, metaphor for the place inside the energy space of the self, the spirit. It is your home. Mm hmm. Um, so that I like that very much. Mm -hmm. Well, I got that from you, and you got that from Laura Dotson. Laura, Remember yes. the story you told me? <laughs> yes. Uh -huh. Yeah, that yeah, there was this okay. uh, really precarious situation that was happening, and you saw her really grounded, and you asked her what she did, and she yeah. said, "I went home," and she went to herself, and yeah. and I think that's you know I think developmentally that's a process for everyone. Initially, as a child, your home base is your parents, mm -hmm. and then you have experiences that expand you and put you into all kinds of unknown and chaos, and eventually uh, the home base becomes internalized, and and, mm. and you find your home within yourself, and um, the, the natural difficulties and traumas of life, uh, you know, I think pull us away from home, mm -hmm. but then also strengthen our connection to home mm -hmm. potentially if um, if we are open to mm -hmm. to doing that inner work. So um, I love that uh, the way you put that into the continuum of life from a child, your parents, or your home, or your caretakers coming up, and it was just amazing to me as you said that. I just had flash moments all through like, you know, college and graduate school where it was very scary and unknown and I had to come home to myself. Yeah. And yeah. learning how to do that separate from your original home. That's beautiful, mm -hmm. Tim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I I made my first attempt at uh, first year university and it did not go well. I did not have the discipline. I didn't know what I was getting myself into because high school was um, very easy for me not very easy I still worked hard but I, and, then, and then when I went to university I was like oh, I thought I was working hard already um, I had to be even more organized so I've, I failed first year university was working um, just uh, you know an odd job and and I thought okay and I, I remember sitting alone in this um, you know in this park and around trees and just having a moment with nature and then having the resolve of like what do I you know, I'm like my mm -hmm. capital, I, I am myself, mm -hmm. what do I want to do? And and I knew I wanted to work with people and I knew that I wanted to be of service some, in some way and oh. uh, counseling was an idea. So I um, I found the resolve by by having some time to myself to, wow. to gather that strength and that energy to say, well, this is what I'm going to do. And, um, and so I think we... And I've I've gone through that cycle many many times. It's like you 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 find yourself, you lose yourself. Mm -hmm. um, the pain of losing yourself um, becomes like the slingshot that that snaps you back into place, mm -hmm. or you know potentially the things that distract us can keep us into some unhealthy toxic status quo. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, I think that 
that's that's the opportunity of expanding awareness and so the 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 practice of what we did is uh, is just realizing that that power of paying attention of listening to your experience and you know transformational work is is another obviously other things and other processes but that's the first step is just to notice that um your creative consciousness is at work all the time and um there's certain patterns at work that um that help you and then then there are things underground that are scripts that are patterns that keep us stuck so um last time we talked about choice and mm-hmm. um and how important choice is as a resource and i i was hoping that we could speak more about choice today and maybe make it more concrete and then you introduced the topic of integration um so i think in order to make a choice you have to be integrated you have to have done the work to have something to integrate but how how are you thinking about the words uh, integration and choice and the relationship between them so um, i had i had i thought you were asking me if you want we wanted to go to a different subject so let's go back and talk about you said you wanted to be more concrete about choice so we can uh-huh. choose to do that let's do that that's fine yeah okay um so yeah i think with with choice i'm wondering what you know we talked a little bit about some of the what are the ingredients to being becoming a choice maker um and i think that um certainly part of that is awareness you know mm-hmm. being able to do the work of, of this um because if i'm not aware of the dynamics of what i'm doing right. what i'm doing in relationship yes. and everything's happening automatically because yes. my my response my behavior is automatic from a reactive place like yes. I, i'm angry and when i'm angry i go into blaming yes and i say it's all your fault you know how could you yes. do this to me and mm-hmm. and i could be justify that intellectually because there's mm-hmm. an expectation of what you should have done mm-hmm. and you didn't do it mm-hmm. um but being in that survival energy which emphasizes the other person and mm-hmm. not as much self aware awareness around the self of yes. uh, what's going on in me it, it's disempowering you know and, mm-hmm. and often virginia satir she would use a sculpt of a person pointing a finger hand on the hip and pointing at the other person and the initial experience of that is power but it's disempowering because of the lack of self-reflection and ownership of one's own behavior feelings and perceptions mm-hmm. um so yeah what what do you think in terms of what are some concrete advice or um uh, practices that people can do so they can um enhance their um their own ability to be connected to the resource of choice. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the primal instincts are fight, flight or freeze for all of us, the reptilian brain. And then if we are going to be able to make choices other than go into those primal protective reactive places, we need to have as you said an awareness and one of the things that i have found helpful to people is to expand on virginia's concept of a pointed finger as you should be doing something other than you are it's all your fault so um 
I say, okay, the, the forms of fight that I see most frequently, not the blaming uh, toward others, but also self-blaming, and that people who have been traumatized, really, really traumatized as children, abused, beaten, sexually abused, almost always turn every situation into somehow it's their fault. It's all mm. my fault, which right. is understandable because when you're little, you're constantly trying to keep the parental figures okay, so you take right. all the blame. Right. So bringing people to a place of understanding whether it's blaming on the inside and where that came from so they could choose to begin to modify that and practice not going toward always seeing mm. everything as their fault or if their instinct is the you know their habit is the opposite which is to always point the finger to protect their ego and say it's somebody else's fault beginning to help them understand where that's coming from that it's a protection and then what are the consequences if they if and if they begin to see that those consequences are, we usually get somebody else who's going to blame you back. It's going to escalate, or they're going to withdraw some way, and they they can begin to say, "Okay, this is this is not benefiting me or the relationship. How can I choose to uh, begin to stop myself right. from going to that place?" And what we know is that when we go to those places, it's all or nothing. Mm -hmm. Anytime that you hear yourself saying, it's all your fault or it's all my fault, we know that the person is not in their self. That's a part. And those are child parts that think and all or nothing, mm -hmm. black and white. So first choice is about blaming, but also the form of fighting it can be generalizing like you again this is childlike language i'm in pain you my uh, expect my husband home at six o'clock so we can go to something and he shows up at six thirty, and i attack him and say you are always late okay what i'm immediately doing is trying to say i'm in pain but i put it into pointing figures in a generalizing way and the odds are one of two things again he's going to fight back with mm. blah 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 or he's going to withdraw and fight flee so the, the pattern will continue so when you can bring people to an awareness of whoops i'm just about to say you never or you always toward someone else or toward themselves bring that up into a consciousness that i can choose to treat them differently and and stay out of defensiveness and i can choose mm. to treat myself differently what what so if we can stay with that example uh -huh. you are always late mm -hmm. what is the message that you are actually sending with those words and that like let's say that tone is you are always late like very frustrated very mm -hmm. harsh mm -hmm. very blaming shaming mm -hmm. even Yes. Absolute. You're always mm -hmm. late. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think the message that's penetrating through is that's unhealthy? Uh, that's that's penetrating through in terms of. Yeah. So like you're I'll, I'll bad. Say, you're bad. Yes, exactly. That's one thing. Like some kind of like, it's like 
some kind of um, conclusion about the self, mm-hmm. about his self, yes. capital S self. And, and I think that that does express, I'm so disappointed and I'm so hurt that I'm perceiving you with devil horns, that you're bad, that you're yeah. the devil. And certainly uh, in an intimate relationship like a marriage, couples do get to those places. Oh, inevitable, I think. And uh, this idea that you're you're bad or you're evil. I mean, I think that's the source of a lot of destructiveness in in the Uh world. So that that perception and that expression and that rigid stance of blame Uh um, expresses like I wonder what it'd be like to just go there initially <laughs> instead of just saying, cause, cause you, you are always late emotionally. What the person receives is you, you think of me as no good. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and children certainly pick that up too. It's like you always make a mess or you always mm-hmm. forget your homework or you right. always, you know, yeah. you're never the, ready on time. You're never ready. On, yes. Okay. So then the kids internalizing, I'm no good. I'm, I am no good. And, um, I guess coming back to choice, there's several choices the choice is how, as the deliverer of the message, what are some choices I have around how to communicate it? And the second part, which I think we should do both. The second part is as the receiver of that message, how can I receive it in a way that is best and healthy for me? Mm-hmm. So as the giver of, of the message, you know, certainly part of what you were already hinting at is what I'm feeling is pain, right? The emotion is pain. Pain on both sides, pain. Yeah. Pain on both sides. But but speaking from the, the person that's delivering the message, yeah. if I'm in pain and coming back to uh, Virginia Satir's language of what we're aiming at is to get out of survival communication, mm-hmm. which is blaming, placating, Irrelevant and super reasonable, and I'll explain each of those four just so for maybe people that mm-hmm. have, that aren't aware of what those mean. Blame is essentially the kind of stance or the kind of pattern where everything is always someone else's fault, mm-hmm. and it's usually having to do with some very clear uh, sense of justice and a clear sense of expectation of something that did not go right. Placating is where I take the blame on, and I am constantly feeling guilty and ashamed and that I have to help and that if I don't do it, then no one else will. And just taking on the the load of a situation, mm-hmm. uh, people that have taken on the role of a parentified uh, child are often placators because they're taking on, um, I should help, I should take on more in my family mm-hmm. or I should, um, and they take on roles that are inappropriate for them. Mm-hmm. Irrelevance is uh, the, the stance where uh, there's there's not much of an attachment to emotion or the subjectivity within myself or others, and a compl- and also disconnection from the realities of the context. So um, I show up late, and I was like, oh yeah, and then I start talking about you know the squirrel that I saw along the way, or uh-huh. I make um, jokes and things like that to distract right. from the situation. Right. It's very hard to, if I'm in a re- in a relevant sense, it's hard to pin down what I really think and mean yeah. um, because I'm constantly throwing up distractors. Yeah. Um, also, you know, the 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 use and overuse and, and abuse of substances uh, would fall within this coping stance mm-hmm. because it's a disconnection from self and other. Um, and the last one is super reasonable, which is the stance of 
focusing on facts and the context, but a disconnection from inner subjectivity. So okay. if I'm in super reasonable stance and I know this one well, this is one of my when I'm in survival mode, I'll go to super reasonable mm-hmm. uh, is I won't talk about how I'm feeling and I won't comment or really be able to take in when you tell me how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about research. I'll talk about books I've read. I'll talk about facts and be mm-hmm. very dry. Um, right. So when when we're in that, when we're in either of those four survival stances, um, the, the, the transformation happens in being able to take my communication to be aware of what I'm really feeling and needing and yearning for and to transform that into some kind of behavior that um, I think accounts for myself and other in the context. And that that's what Virginia Satir would call congruent communication. Mm-hmm. Um, what So what is that process? Can you describe in terms of how you walk people through that? And for the, the general audience listening to this, what are some things that they can do to slow themselves down and to get into a choice making um, that territory? Well, I'll just say what I practice for myself. Yeah. Because I think that's the most important, you know, is trying to live this. Yeah. Is uh, what, you know, let's let's use that example. My husband doesn't show up till 630. we're supposed to be somewhere and I am agitated, annoyed. Uh, by the way, this is not his character. <laughs> to, you're not, you're not no, calling no, your husband right I'm, now. So I'm no. making this, no, I'm, yeah. I'm making this. <laughs> so, um, I get agitated, annoyed. And my first instinct is to like, you know, where have you been? What we, we were supposed to, be there at such and such a time. Why, why are you late? And all that, you know, attacking kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I can bring that into my awareness and go, you know, okay, that's the agitation and the anger. What's underneath that? Because there's always something underneath it. And to know that clearly, what is it? Well, I'm upset because I wanted to be at this other event. And uh, I'm going to be embarrassed if we have to walk in late. Uh, I've also was kind of worried, really, that he'd gotten hurt on the freeway somewhere. Okay, so what are you really feeling? Well, first of all, I'm grateful he's home and he's safe. And um, then from a centered place to say, you know, uh, I was concerned about you, what happened? and i'm feeling pressure we need to get going now right and i think so much of it is in the voice tone whether Mm -hmm. i'm now blaming or not okay Mm -hmm. and the closer you are in a relationship the more subtle that is but the other person picks up the energy one way or the other so if i'm not in a blaming place and i'm in a caring place at the same time caring about my desire to do this other thing, then that the odds are that's going to pull to a, a, a centered energy in him, a non-defensive place. And then we're going to be fine with each other. Okay. So it's so, a choice about goodwill in some, at some level. Yeah. And I think goodwill is, is obviously you, you need, you need that energy uh, so that people can grow because 
but in that example, if you're saying you're always late, it's not that maybe it's it's unreal. It's not reality that he's always late. Let's say he's late often. Right. So regardless of the context of where, you know, where you want to go, what you had planned or you're worried about his safety, like I, th I think that what you're describing is often the, the pathway towards a resolution that we as therapists go with people, which is towards um, towards myself, about what I really want. But I think there's something in that 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 I think is is also an important choice point is we need ways of criticizing each other too and saying mm -hmm. you know what in our relationship especially between two adults uh you know mm -hmm. at, at work or in a relationship we're in roles too and we have responsibilities to meet yeah. and i think if we're too loose and too airy fairy with like if, if punctuality is important to me and i marry someone who doesn't care about punctuality uh -huh. that's going to be a problem and either i need to accept the relaxed attitude towards time mm -hmm. or I'm going to work on that. We're going to work on that together till we mm -hmm. get to some middle ground mm -hmm. in life. And in reality, that resolution, I think it has to happen because you're going to have mm -hmm. that fight 10,000 times. Yes. So yes. I guess to, to what I'm talking about is not just that specific situation, but I think also in the communication of, the pattern of what's happening mm -hmm. and the, the ability to give that criticism at the level of role mm -hmm. and not not hurting the person at the level of their self their essence their core yes. Yes. and and i think that this is like having that as a choice point is the expansion and your your what you're expressing is that deep compassion that deep mm -hmm. compassion for self and that deep compassion for other mm -hmm. and and i think that needs to ba be balanced and it's it can be balanced when we differentiate between the role, husband and wife, mm -hmm. and the person. Mm -hmm. And so it's like Sharon, mm -hmm. as my co-host, as my friend, mm -hmm. you know, we've been starting late. Mm -hmm. and, and we haven't, but I'm just making mm -hmm. this up. Soon. We've been starting late, you know, and what that means for me is then I have, I'm late for my next appointment. And this mm -hmm. has been really frustrating for me. Mm -hmm. And I, I really need us to work out a way um, and I need to be able to trust you with how we're using time together as mm -hmm. our as, as our resource. Uh, mm -hmm. And so and to be able to talk then about all my feelings, to say yes. all my perceptions, yes. to lay it out all on the table. And, to, and behind all that is I love you mm -hmm. and we're in this together and mm -hmm. I see you at your at your whole self. Mm -hmm. But you're not managing time well. Right. So we got to talk about that together. Mm -hmm. And I think in that in that way, it's it does two things. We're able to talk at whatever the specific criticism needs to be. But then you also feel held in the space together. Yes. Yes. I'm reminded of uh, Thomas Gordon, who wrote Parent Effectiveness Training. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we've talked about this before, the win-win approach. But no. it's been extremely helpful to me in my life, which is he says, OK, when there's a situation where there's a difference, you know, of behavior or desires, asking, what do you need? What do you need? And then how can we each get our needs met at the least cost to each other? Mm. And that is so powerful. Um, to, uh, what do I need? I, I need for you to call me 
and let me know that you're going to be late. Or I need for us to work out something where you understand mm. that, you know, this is the time that we need to leave. What do you yeah. need? Well, yeah. I need flexibility because I never know what the traffic's going to be like on the freeway. Okay, yeah. so how can yeah. we work with that? Yeah. It's just oh, I love that. amazing. Yeah, because I think that 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 you know coming back to that word integration, because mm -hmm. I love that word, mm -hmm. and I want to throw it in there. It's it, there is an integration now of, you know, the difference between self and role. Okay, so we're wearing the hat husband and wife. Let's say that you and I are doing mm -hmm. that husband and wife. We also have ourself. Mm -hmm. When we dig down by asking that question, what do you need, Sharon? What do you need, Tim? We're getting to the yearnings, and the yearnings live within the self. Yes. And when we tap into that, then we can create that which we need. Right? Exactly. And we're not stuck on the, you're never late. Because if we're stuck on the rule, mm -hmm. there's a rigidity around that. Then we're not dealing with the complexity of the situation, which right. is uh, traffic, which is weather, which mm -hmm. is other people, mm -hmm. which is my growing up, and then an infinite number of factors. It's just mm -hmm. I've now labeled you an inconsiderate late person. <laughs> mm -hmm. And whenever we get into the labeling of one another, we finish the conversation. We can't, yes. we can't have a dialogue. Yes. So. Yes. Uh, one more thing I'd like to say about that win-win approach is that when mm -hmm. you come to that place of how can we each get our needs met at the least cost to each other, you're pulling back into the self and out of the all-or-nothing defensive parts. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of it's a it's a process that really helps you pull back into yourself and that higher wisdom and broader openness. Yeah, I love that question too because it's like with the least cost to us, like there's going to be a cost. Yep. The, the presumption of that is yeah. um, I will have to make an effort. You will have to make an effort yeah. to make it work. Yeah. And what what is that cost going to be? If I can acknowledge that and accept that there's going to be a cost, then uh, then I have a choice to make. Exactly. Okay. You know, like um, I have I don't know my schedule at the end of the day. Sometimes there's last minute meetings that come. Yeah. Can I accept that? You know, if I if I hear that from the other person of what their context is like, then then I have a choice to make of whether I'm going to accept that as a reality. Yes. So, yes. good. All good. right. How how are you feeling about our? I'm excited. We yeah. Well, it's always like we never know where we're going, but we oh, that's enjoy the best. it immensely. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we were able to to throw integration into that, yes. and I hope that we can expand on that. I just felt that there was. There is more to say about choice. Yeah, so thank you for we... asking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Sharon. All so right. let's say bye to everybody. Bye. And please join us next time. Okay. Yeah.